for a while now, actually for a few months, of what would be the first talk that I would give to this new group of people, right? And um, there was a couple of things in mind, but I couldn't think of anything more important than what we're going to talk about today. Now, um, we have a lot to cover today, a lot to do today. But by the time you leave here, we'll have read through an entire book of the Bible, we'll have memorized the scripture, and you will have marching orders to serve Jesus in ways that you haven't before. So that's an exciting thing, right? All in like 40 minutes or less. What do you think? You think we can swing? I think we might be able to handle this. All right, so I want you to put on your thinking caps. It's a very exciting day. We're going to be reading from the book of 2 John. So if you have your Bibles, and if you've been coming around, you already have your Bibles. So I want you to open up to the second, uh, second John. Now, this is not the book of John, because there's John, and then there's 1 John, and there's 2 John, and then there's 3 John. But I want you to go to 2 John. If you're not sure where it is, I want you to go to Revelation, and then turn a few pages to the left, and you're right there. It's, it's towards the end of the Bible. Now, so you know, today we are going to talk about unity. Somebody say unity. Unity. That's what we're going to talk about. Or everything that you're going to learn today has to do with unity in our congregation. Unity in the church at large and what unifies us. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And so we're going to look at a verse that I want us to memorize. It's in Psalm 133. Don't worry, I know I told you to go to 2 John. Stay in 2 John. We're going to see. We're going to look at this verse over and over again. Now, I'm going to read it to you. It's uh, 1 John. Uh, 1 John. Uh, Psalm 133. I want you to go. And it says this. It says, How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. Now, you're going to see it in a second. And I want us all to say it. It's how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. Now, there it is. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. Okay, different translation. So we're going to use the word live because it's up there, all right? Now, what we're going to do is we're going to say that verse five times. Five times. I know that seems like a lot. But it's gonna, we're going we're gonna to drill this into your mind. Because this is what God wants brothers, that is, the church of God, to dwell in. Some of us, right? Some of us, we dwell in really nice apartments. Some of us have our own home. Some of us are just getting out of a lifestyle that kind of messed up our lives. And so our dwelling place is not necessarily the best place that we would like to be in. But the Christian family, the brothers in Christ, the people of God, they dwell, they dwell in a place called unity. The address is U-N-I-T-Y. The, the owner of the property, the owner of the property, his name is Jesus. And we look to him for our guidance, direction, for his glory, his fame, and his honor. Make sense? So now we're going to say this verse together five times, okay? One, two, three. Nice, solid voice. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. Do it again. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. Now, even you rebellious people who say, I ain't going to do nothing that pastor tells me to do. 
I don't even like the black shirt. It's all right. I want even you to participate. Okay? So this is the fifth one in a nice, loud voice, even the rebellious people. Okay? Here we go. One, two, three. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is, isn't it? I mean, everybody I talk to, when they, when they go, what do you want when you go home? You know what they say? They want peace. They want, I just want a little peace. You know what I want? I want a little peace. If I could buy it, I'd buy it. I just want some peace. You know why? Because there's something special when you come home and there's unity. When you have unity, you have peace. You know, that's true for your house, but that's also true for this congregation. When we come together, listen, you want to come together. Listen, not in strife, not in stress, not in difficulty, not in, not in fights. No, 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 no. In unity. In unity. How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. Now listen, what unifies us? That's the question. What unifies us? Because we say, oh yeah, we want to dwell in unity. And then what we find is we find ourselves straying away from the truth of God for the sake of unity. And then we find ourselves losing the very source of our unity. And so we're going to talk about unity today. It's why we're going into the book of 2 John. But there's always a common, a common thing that unites a people. It could be an ideology, right? It could be, right, communism was, was unified by this ideology that they were the chosen race and they had to exterminate Jews. So they were unified in that thought. When I went to uh, school... Right? Everybody remember the last day of school, like the last day of junior high or something like that? I never really went to high school, so I, I only got junior high to point to. Um, so, um, right, then, and you're listening to me. Um, but remember, 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 um, remember you said everybody signed everybody's books, right? I, and I can only guess at this because this, I didn't do this either. But everybody, everybody signed each other's books and they said, hey, we're going to keep in church. Oh, Absolutely. We're going to keep in touch. You know you haven't talked to those people in 30 years. Some of you in like, you know, right? You just, the farther time, you know why? Because the thing that unified you was your school. That's what unified you. Uh, I, I can go back to a job that I uh, remember. Um, and I remember, I had the last day of work, gave everybody a hug, made sure I took everybody's number. The thing that unified us was going to work day after day. Now, we didn't call each other. When I was working there. So when I wasn't working there, we still didn't call each other. Because the thing that unified us, listen to me, there's something that unified us, and it was the place of work. We all had a common goal. We had to achieve this, had to accomplish, we had to achieve the same thing. It was what unified us. What unifies us in our church? Is our, is it, let me ask you something. And by the way, I want to thank you for bringing the church into this building. I want to thank you that you brought the church. Because listen, the church isn't these walls. The church is not the projector. It's not the bricks. It's not the mortar. It's not the address. The church is a group of people coming together for the sole purpose of glorifying God and learning from his word and doing what he calls us to do. So I want to thank you for bringing the church into this building. But I want to ask, what unifies us? And now... We're going to spend the rest of this talk talking about that 
which unifies us. If we don't have it, we lose everything. Because it can't be this address. It can't be that the thing that unifies us is this address. Because if this address should go, where is our unity? And it can't be a particular, uh, uh, it can't be a particular person. It can't be a particular leader. Because if it's that leader, then where is our unity when that leader is no... I don't know if you know this, but everything that you see will expire, has an expiration date. Did you know that? Everything, right? You got a nice car? I'm telling you. Everything that you have, everything that you own, is, is all for a future garage sale or a, a future junkyard or a future... Like, everything... You could buy the nicest car, get the nicest clothes, have the nicest stuff. Everything that you possess expires. Everything that we see around us as well expires. This building will not be here forever. I certainly won't be the senior pastor here forever. I will die and you will find someone else. And listen to me. So it's got to be bigger than the person leading. And it's got to be bigger than the address. What is it? Well, we're going to look at 2 John, and we're going to see if we can't find what our unity is. All right? Are you with me so far? All right? Are you focused? Okay, great. Now, in 2 John, now, we're going to read the entirety of 2 John. Now, what some of you just figured out, right, is that 2 John is an unbelievably short book. So now, when anybody asks you, what did you do today? We read an entire book of the Bible. You go, that's right, you did. Now, now, now listen, why is this important? Listen to me, listen to me. This is important because God says how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. How good and pleasant it is. Let's say that all together. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity, it's all important. Okay. Now, um, our tradition, um, we started a new tradition, right? There's a new church. We started a new tradition. And the tradition is that when we read God's word, we recognize that God's word is higher than us. It's more lofty than us. So what we do as a, a sort of a symbol of our uh, lifting high God's word, we stand. All right? So I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to read God's word. Now, I'm going to read it, and then the last verse, verse 13, we're all going to read together. Is that okay? All right, so we're all going to read verse 13 together, and I'll just read uh, the, okay, Second John. The elder, to the chosen lady and her children whom I love in the truth, <coughs> and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God, are from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new commandment, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love. 
that we walk in obedience to his commands, as you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but that you may be, you may be rewarded fully. Anyone runs ahead, anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take him into your house or welcome him. Anyone who welcomes him shares in his wicked work. I have much to write to you, but I do not want, you to, I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. Everyone. The children of your chosen sister send their greeting. Praise God. May God bless the hearing and the reading of his word. Please be seated. Listen. Listen. Okay. A couple of things that you need to know about the book of John. The book of 2 John was written... Listen, listen. The book of 2 John was written by... Anybody can guess? John. You guys are like scholars. That's awesome. You don't know how much ink has been. Oh, who wrote the book of John? Uh, I think it was Juanito. I don't know. Maybe. That's what I'm guessing. The guy, you know, when he signs his name to it, I'm thinking it's him, right? You know, I don't know. Not the, not the sharpest knife in the thing, but gee whiz. So much people. Is the, the guy's name is John. This is, now, this is not John the baptizer. This is not any of the other Johns. This is John the, the young, John the writer of the Gospel of John. John, who would take care of Jesus' mother. Let me tell you why that's important. John has lived a long, long life. He was, out of all the apostles, the oldest who died. Um, All the apostles were um, martyred uh, younger than John was. John lived a long time. Now, the reason that what we're about to hear from John about what he has to say about Jesus is so important is because he took care of Mary. Let me tell you why that's important. Listen. Do you think, after taking care of Mary for three or four years, do you think that John would have leaned over the table, passed Mary her butello, and said, Now Mary, about this virgin birth, you can tell me, is it true? See, he stood with her. He was with Mary. If anybody could have found out the dirt on Jesus, it would have been John. And John dies an old man with his faith intact, knowing that a virgin gave birth, that a dead man rose from the grave, and that salvation comes to the world because Jesus is who he said he was. And so it was with that authority that John writes his letter as one who's in the truth and walked in the truth and had enough time to, to go to Mary and go, now Mary, come over here. Maybe you and Joseph maybe was a little quickie and things got out of hand. I don't know. 
and you have to cover it up. What happened here? Come on, Mary, as far as I know, you know, in biology class, virgins don't get pregnant. That's as far as I know, right? Listen to me. Listen to me. Let me tell you something. You know why John could write truth and love? Because he was steeped in truth the whole time. And so because of that, he can share with us the truth. Now, we're going to read. Now, we can't do the entire book. We're going to focus mainly on 4 through 6, verses 4 through 6. But I'm going to read a little bit to you and just give you a little uh, insights that you can understand. The elder. By the way, when you've lived about 90 years and you've been planting churches and you've suffered for Jesus' sake, when you, when you sign your, the opening of your letter, you can sign the old man, and everybody will know who you are. That's what John does. He goes, the elder, listen, you can sign whatever you like. You can sign J.C. Penny. I don't care. You are the man. You are the one. That, I mean, they had, this man had been with Jesus. And so when he signs, he goes, the elder. And everybody knew who he was, right? And it's true, you go into some circles, and they go, oh, Junito, and they know exactly who it is, right? It's not necessarily your name, it's your nickname, but they know who you are. The elder, he starts off. To the chosen lady and her children. Okay, so who's the elder? It's John. Who's the chosen lady? It's a church. Who are her children? The individuals that are in the church. And so, uh, to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in the, what's that word? Truth. Truth is important. We're going to come back to it. You know, John will use the word truth like four or five times in this first few verses. See if you could pick it out. Look at this. I love in the truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth. Because the which lives in us and will be with us forever. So John gives this greeting, and he wants to know. He wants them to know, listen, I love you guys. I love you in the truth, because it's in the truth that you hold. It's the truth. Are you seeing the first clue of what unity brings? First clue is, listen to me, truth. Truth. This is very important to us. And the reason it's important to our how is because by the truth, we are set free. His word is truth. Jesus Christ says, I'm the way and the truth. La verdad. I am the truth. Listen, Jesus doesn't tell you truth. He is the very thing. He is the truth. And he sets free and breaks bondages and heals marriages and glorifies himself. And lifts his own name up. And heals hurts. And makes everything glorious. Even our suffering. In him. Because he's the truth. And I love, So John starts off and says, I love you in the truth. Because the truth is what says it's the truth. That's his greeting. Verse 3 says, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father. And from Jesus Christ the Father's Son. Will be with us in what? Truth. And? Okay, now, for the, rest, for the rest of this talk, we're going to talk about truth and love. Because if we're going to live in unity, we're going to have to walk in truth and love. What bound these people together and what will bound this church, bind this church together is walking to glorify Christ in truth and in love. But it's not truth like what you think is truth. 
And it's not love like what you think is love. It's truth and love as defined by God himself. So here's what he's going to say. Listen to verse 4. It has given me great joy to find some of your children, that's the people in the church, walking in the truth. Now, when someone says that you're walking in the truth, they don't mean that you're walking down a street called truth. Right? When you're walking in the truth, it means that you're living in a particular way, in accordance with what is true. There is a, there is a link, a unity between truth and the way you live. And he says, I'm so grateful that some of you guys are walking in the truth. Just as the Father commanded us. Listen to me. What's the truth that unifies us? The truth that unifies us is that Jesus is Lord. He sends the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. And that we look forward to heaven in Christ. Okay, listen to me. That is the truth that unifies us. God's word is true. Now, here's the thing. People, when they're confronted with truth, what they do, especially biblical truth, they find themselves either living above the truth or putting the truth above them. But you have to choose. Let me see if I can illustrate this. Some of you have seen this before. This is God's word. Now, there are dozens of verses in here that you and I would disagree with, right? Just plain out, not like. Can, can, anyone, can I get an amen? amen? Right? Right? Husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church. Anybody know what Christ did for the church? Died for her. Okay. Yeah, your wife's giving you a hard time. She's being a nag. Die. Die. Love her. Right? Okay. All right. All the, all the husbands, raise your hand who love that verse. Go ahead. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Can't wait. Listen to me. Why? We don't, like, we don't necessarily like that. It's truth. It's truth. Listen. Sex is for married people only. All the single people. Shoot your hand up if you love that. Go on. Yeah. And there are dozens, other, dozens of other scriptures. Scriptures that say, you have been called to suffer for Christ's sake. That loss is not loss if you have Christ. But you could lose everything else. That, listen, listen to me. That God promises that there will be suffering and pain in this world if you, if you follow Jesus. If you don't want to have suffering and pain, be a Buddhist. But don't follow Jesus, because Jesus promises that there'll be suffering Amen. and pain. Just, he promises it. He's, he's good for his word, too. It'll happen. Listen to me. There are dozens of scriptures that we will read that you and I will not like. And at moments like that, we will choose to be above God's word or allow God's word to be above us. Let me tell you what I mean by that, right? So, in, at, here... At our how, we live with God's word over us. That means God's word says, hey, don't be drunk on wine. That means don't be controlled by alternate substances. But he says, be drunk, be drunk in the spirit. That means be controlled 
by the Spirit of the living God. And when we see that, we go, yeah, you know what? I might have had an addiction in my background. I might have been caught up with some stuff. I might have been chained to some addictions. But you know what? Submitting myself unto God's word. And I'm free because, you know why? Listen to me. Because it's truth. And truth sets me free because I submit myself to the truth. Right? God says, be faithful. Be faithful. Let me tell you something. The most beautiful woman, men, listen to me. The most beautiful woman. You know what your type is, men? You know what your type is? Whatever your wife is, that's your type. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Like, if you married your wife and she was real, real skinny, that when you married her, that was your type. And if she gained a lot of weight, guess what your type is now? You feel me? Right? Women, women, you might have married your husband, and your type might have been curly, long, flowing locks of hair, right? few years have passed, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guess what your type is now? Woo, love that baldy look. Why? Because we submit ourselves to God's word. But here's the criminal, here's the criminal thing that happens. And this happens, listen to me, in churches everywhere. There's, here's what happens. They say, God, your word is not above me. I'm above your word. So when you have that conversation with that person at work and your spouse doesn't understand you, what do you do? You go, well, doesn't God want me to be happy? No, read your Bible. It has nothing to do with happiness. It has everything to do with obedience. You want to be happy? Be obedient, right? Listen, talk to, talk to my children. Happiness is obedience is my home, right? right? And that's where happiness begins, right? But here's what happens. Here's what happens. We go, you know what? I'm not going to trust God, the perfect God who's never... Listen, let me ask you a question. Has God ever made a mistake? Has God ever lied? Have you ever made a mistake? Have you ever lied? Then why, in moments of decision, would you choose you, choose you, a known mistake maker, a known liar, and not choose God's word... The only one who tells the truth all the time. Why would you do that? I don't know. I don't know why I do it, right? Because let me tell you why. Because I want to put my life above God's. And the Bible says we will dwell together in unity when the truth is held firm. When the truth is submitted unto. When we see Jesus is glorious and wonderful and, and are all and all are all sufficient God. But as long as we live with our lives over the truth, we will forever try. Let me tell you something. Happiness is a moving target. Did you know that? Happiness is a moving target. You know what I mean by that? What I mean by that is that when you were 12 years old, what made you happy? Just think about it. Right? What made you happy when you were 12 years old? Right? When you're 32 years old, does that same thing make you happy? It's a moving target. When you met, matter of fact, when you met your, listen, let's talk relationships for a second. When you met your man, right? right there are certain things that when you met him was the reason why you loved him so much. Man, he's so decisive. He just knows what he's doing, right? He makes decisions and sticks with them. 
I just, I'm excited about that. Turns me on. He's a decisive man, right? And after about three years of, three years of that, you go, man, he's bossy. <laughs> Trying to make decisions about everything. Because <laughs> the very thing that made you happy at one point doesn't make you happy at another. Isn't that true? Happiness is a moving target. Have you ever thought that you would ever get something that would make you happy? Then got it? <laughs> and want to look for the receipt so that you can return it? Right? Can I get this guy? Can I send this guy back? Can I send this girl back? Why? 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 Happiness is a moving target. But God says, no, no, no. The truth, the truth, the truth. It's the truth. What is the truth? So we hold God's word high. We hold God's word with great esteem. We hold God's word God's word. Not my understanding of God's word. God's word. Not my interpretation of God's word. God's word. Not what I think God's word says, but listen to me. God's word. Well, he doesn't end there. John keeps on going. Everybody go to uh, verse 6. Oh no, verse 5. And now, dear lady, I am not writing to you a new command but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we, everybody say that, love one another. Listen to me. Love. Love one another. Here's what I know. When groups of people, listen, if you want perfect peace and you never want any strife with anybody, live in a cave by yourself. The moment you add people to the equation, it just rubs you the wrong way, does it not, right? Right? Did they not see that I was sitting there? Did they not know that my name is etched on the inside of that seat? Did they not know that that's, that's my seat? I'm just, I'm just telling you what happens in church world, right? Right? We got a new seating uh, arrangement. It's for a purpose, right? So if you had your old seat and you're angry at the person who's sitting in it, it's a new seating arrangement. You're going to have to deal with it. But listen to me. Whenever you have, whenever you have relationships with anybody else, groups of people, there's going to be there's going to be strife, and there's going to be difficulty. So not only do we have to trust in, walk in, believe in, live our lives in the truth, but that truth has to be coupled with love. Now, truth without love is called cruelty. But, and man, do I even have to illustrate? I remember one time, true story. I was in an elevator. Some of you have heard me say this, but just, so I'm in an elevator, and I'm going, and it's, it's a luxury apartment complex. that I don't live there. Um, I was working there, in fact. And, um, and we were going up in this elevator, and this little girl, you know, it's a full elevator. You know how it gets sometimes. You're coming back from work. It's a full elevator. There was a construction worker who was going up. Now, this construction worker got on, and the, the girl said, Ma, that man smells. Which, by the way, was the truth. Everybody knew it. But listen to me. The guy had just finished a hard day of work. He was just coming home. He didn't need to be embarrassed like that. That was unnecessary. Her mother tried to correct that. I wanted to smack them both. But I didn't because I love Jesus. Um, so, so the Bible says to lay hands on people. And so... I wanted to walk in the truth. Not true. Yeah, I invented that definition. Um, so, but what really happened, 
Let me tell you what really happened. She goes, her mother goes, now, whatever her name was, you know, let's, you know, pick a name, Susie. Um, now, Susie, don't say that. And, um, and the girl responded, but I'm just telling the truth. <laughs> and it was all I could do. Not to, like, go just, like, Apache on, like, ay, 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 and just, like, grab the mother and start, like, what on earth was that? But I'm just telling the truth. And at that point, the mother should have said, listen to me. Number one, your opinion is not valued at this point or asked for, so I want you to be quiet. And number two, if you can't speak the truth in love, you're not speaking the truth. You're simply being cruel. I wish the mother would have said that, but she didn't say that. Listen to me. Some of us, in the name of keeping it real, (laughs) listen to me. Listen to me. Carnage. Carnage. Their bodies left on the floor in the wake. I'm talking relational bodies left all over the place. Why? Because you're just so hard on the truth. No one would ever accuse you of loving. You're just truthful. Listen to me. Listen to me. Devastating. That's not this church. Aha Brooklyn speaks the truth in love. Not with. In. Why? Why is this so important? Let's say it together. Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. When we speak the truth in love, unity is harbored. So listen, listen. It's possible for me to have offended you and for you to be able to share that in a way that brings us closer together. It's also possible for me to have offended you and you to correct me in such a way that drives us apart. If you don't believe me, just ask any married couple here. Right? It's just, what happens in marriage? Let me tell you what happens in marriage, right? Somebody says the truth, but not in love. And then there's a little distance. And then another person says the truth, it's not in love. There's more distance. And another person says the truth, and it's not in love. And after a while, you can't even hear each other. If If you've ever been in a relationship and had to say, all I said was... And it was a very simple statement and that if you put it on paper, it looks innocent, but it was like a blow to the face um, to your spouse or your, your... Here's why. Because you've spoken the truth without love to the degree that they can only hear your hate. They can only hear your cruelty. Doesn't matter what you say. Just say, oh, you look beautiful today. And watch the res- negative response you get. Why? Why? Because truth was never spoken in love and therefore was not true. If it has no love, there is no truth. If you're, oh, but I'm not going to let my husband speak to me like that. Listen, sweetie, sweetie, shh, listen. If it has no love, there is no truth. You can't divorce truth in love. It's like divorcing front from back. You can't divorce truth from love. It's like divorcing person, soul, and spirit. You can't divorce truth from love. It's like trying to separate wet from water. You cannot divorce truth from love. So if it's true, but it's not love, it's called cruelty. If it's love without truth, now we're going to swing to the other side. 
if it's love without truth. And this is mostly what we have to discuss here. If it's love without truth, it's wishy-washy. Do you understand what I'm saying when I say wishy-washy? I know that's like a $5 word, right? Like you don't even find it in the dictionary, right? It's just wishy-washy, right? Listen, here's what I mean by that. When we go as far on love to say, well, you know what? Your truth is your truth. And my truth is my truth. And we divorce that from the truth of God's word. Because let me tell you something. This is true if you don't think it's true. It's true. Does that make sense? Right? Let's say, for instance, everybody in this room disagreed with this book. Guess who's right and guess who's wrong? We're wrong. The book is right because the book is truth. Now listen to me. It is very possible, very possible, that we go so far on love that we lose who we are in Christ. It is very possible. And again, that's not love. That's not love. That's codependency. That's wishy-washy. That's, listen, listen. Love without truth is codependency and wishy-washy. Truth without love is cruelty. We want to be neither. If we're going to harbor unity, we need to be truth in love. Truth in love. Here, and now he's going to define for us love. John is. And this is love. Somebody say, and this is love. And this is love. That we walk in obedience to his commands. What's love? That we walk in obedience to his Do you see how much different that is from just the wishy-washy feelings of love that people talk about all the time? Because you know what? You know what? I love you, but I'm not in love with you. Ask somebody, whenever you hear that, just ask them, define what you just said. Because I think everybody who heard you is dumber for having heard you say something so silly. I love you. Listen, listen. I love you, but I'm not in love. You know what that means? That means your love means nothing. Your love is meaningless. You might as well say, I blah, 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 but I'm not in love with you. Because it's meaningless. It's meaningless. Listen to me. Listen to me. Love is not an emotion. Love is not a feeling. Love can bring about emotion, right? Have you ever been in love and the, the wonderful emotions that that brings, right? That's wonderful. But love is not an emotion. Let me tell you what love is. Love is not being with the person that you're with for 16 months and going, wow, they rock my world. They're just amazing and that's wonderful. Love is being with them for 16 years, feeling like they're the worst person in the world and making sure that you get up early to make them breakfast anyway. Because love, listen to me, love is... A choice. Anybody who's been married over 10 years knows that you have to make that choice daily. And that you choose to love. And how do we choose to love? We choose to walk in the commands of Christ. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Wives, submit unto your husbands. Listen. Love is following in the commands of Christ. You want to be the most loving person in the world? Obey Jesus. You want to be the absolute most loving person in the world? I'm not talking about codependent. 
I'm not talking about, like, you know, get that phone call. You said you'd always be there for me. Yeah, yeah, that was after you stole the VCR, right? That was after you took the iPod, right? That was before. That was, that was before the iPad got taken, right? Like, you know, like, you know what? When, that's not love. Listen, codependency is not love. Codepend- you know what codependency Codependency is not loving someone else. You know what it is? It's trying to manipulate somebody to love you. And if you don't believe me, here's the deal. Just do a favor for somebody else and then ask them for a favor when you need it and let them say no. And if there's something inside of you that says, but I helped you move, but I shared my stuff with you, but I, you know. And if you find yourself doing that, you know that you're not loving. You're manipulating. You're trying to get others to do what you want them to do. Listen to me. We're looking to walk in unity. And if we're going to walk in unity, it's got to be the truth in love. Not truth without love, which is cruelty. Not love without truth, which is uh, codependency and wishy-washy. No, 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 no. Truth in love. One another. So, as we close which means I'm about halfway through. Um, As we close, I want you to know that God wants us to walk together in unity. And how you're going to practice this unity is that you're going to speak the truth in love. You're going to live the truth in love. You're going to walk in truth and love. What is love? Love is obedience to the commands of God. Listen. So now my question is, So what are you going to do the next time someone upsets you? Hey, I got an idea. What are you going to do the next time you get up from your seat to go to the bathroom and you come back and someone else is sitting in your seat? What are you going to do? What are you going to do when you have a conversation with someone? When you have a conversation with someone in this community and they hurt your feelings? I cannot tell you. Listen to me. I can't tell you how unhealthy it is for a church that if we have one, like you have a bad conversation with me, that you go, that's it, I'm not going to that church anymore. And I can't tell you how many times that's happened. I'm not going to that church anymore. That's it, I'm not going to that church anymore. Listen, that's a dysfunctional family. We're a family. And you know what we do as a family? We, we forbear with one another. We're long-suffering with one another. Because I guarantee you, that there are difficult people for you to deal with here. And you have their picture in your mind, don't you? There are some people who sit here, you might just go, oh yeah, I had a conversation with that guy. I had a conversation with that girl. That was not easy, right? Think about this, though. There are about another 150 people who may be thinking about you. What do we do with that? In humility. In humility, we say, Jesus is Lord, King, and God. And what unites us is our sovereign Lord and God. We humble ourselves before this great King. We serve Him, obey Him, follow Him in truth, and in turn, just overflows. So, you hurt my feelings. Let's say something, you say something to me today, and you say, you know, uh, I don't like the way you look, or I don't like the way you spoke, or you say something like that. I can, I can go, Jesus... How does this live out in our lives? I'm trying to give you some practical application. Jesus, 
you, I have told you that you are not sufficient many times. Right? Have you ever told Jesus he wasn't sufficient? Right? Like, like Jesus, if you don't get me uh, a potential uh, a husband or a wife, I'm going to do this myself. What are you telling Jesus? You're not sufficient. I'll do this myself. Jesus, if you don't give me this money, I know how a way to make money. What are you telling Jesus? You're not sufficient. I'll make my money my own way. Listen to me. I can go, if you offend me, I go, oh God, I know that I've offended you. I know I've turned my back on you. I know I've turned from you and I've offended you. Lord, help me to experience the forgiveness that you've bestowed upon me for my offense of you and then let that overflow into the person who just offended me. You find a person who uh, chronically, you know, you try to help. And they're chronically turning from your help. And they're chronically turning from any kind of... Listen, you can go, Jesus, I remember when I turned my back on your word. I remember when I turned my back on your truth. I remember when I turned my back on your leading. Lord, remind me of the love and the pursuing and the, and the chasing after me. Remind me of how you did that with me. And then let it overflow to them. Listen. Someone comes up to you and they misunderstand you. It's not even what you said. That's not at all what I meant. What I, you only caught half the conversation. What I re- and they go, I don't want to hear it. You go, Jesus, help me to forgive them. Because I've misunderstood your word. Applied it in ways that never meant, was never meant to be applied. And yet, Lord, you're going to do it. You're going to remind me of how you, how I've misunderstood you. And how you've given me forgiveness. And how I can overflow in that forgiveness to someone else. Recovery House of Worship, Brooklyn. Our unity is found in Christ our Lord. In the salvation that we have in Christ. Walking in the truth in love. Let's say that verse together. Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is. When brothers live together in unity. Say it again. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. Now listen, you're going to have an opportunity. This week, you're going to have an opportunity to live out this sermon. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. This week. Matter of fact, before we leave this building, you're going to probably have an opportunity to live out. And here's what you're going to do. You're not going to go, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. I guess. You know, you're not going to do it with an attitude. You know what you're going to do. You're going to do. You need grace. I need grace. Sometimes you step on my foot. Sometimes I step on your foot. Sometimes, right? Sometimes you need the breath mint. Sometimes I need the breath mint. Isn't it true? Right? Like we just, like sometimes it's just like that. And we're going to, in humility, we're going to remember that unity is following Christ. And what unifies us? Our love for Jesus. His authority. The authority of His Word. And our pursuing Him till heaven. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. Don't forget. And there'll be no stopping us. There'll be no stopping us. Let me pray for you. Father, I'm grateful 
I'm grateful that within the Trinity, there's unity. Try unity. And that the Son submits to the Father, and that the Spirit submits to the Son. And in Hebrews 1, we see the Father lifting up the Son. Lord, my prayer is that we would dwell together in unity because we live the truth in love, knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and as Savior, savoring Him as King of glory. Lord, I pray for this church. You know, you know of how Satan wants to destroy the unity in this place. Father, I pray against the evil one. And I ask, O God, that those who are addicted to gossip and those who are addicted to strife and those who are addicted, Lord, that they would find healing at the foot of the cross. Father, I pray for those that are here who are new, who have not submitted their lives unto you. I pray, O God, that they would submit their lives in Christ, turning to Jesus, seeing him as glorious and Savior, loving him with all their hearts. Father, I pray that in Jesus' name you would knit us together that when the world comes in to see what's going on here, they would be blown away by the unity that's discovered here. Lord, make, that, make this true in my own life, Lord. Father, anything in me remove that would look to try to be right without love or look would, would look to try to be loving without truth. Help us, O oh God, to follow your word. Remind us how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. Remind us that we need Jesus and that our unity is found in Christ. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.